right, amen. And uh, yeah, God's good. Man, it's so good to meet you guys. I've already fell in love with your church, but honestly, uh, been in love with you guys just from getting to rub shoulders and uh, be with your staff over the last six months. I've been in the residency, me and my family. Uh, it's just been a blessing to uh, learn what I've learned, but also just to meet people. And uh, man, you got a great church here. And uh, man, we had a great time in the first service. I was warned, though, that y'all are the rowdy bunch. I don't know what that means. Uh, you know, I don't know if y'all rushed the stage or what, but uh, I'm excited to see what the service holds. <laughs> Uh, no, th thank you guys for your prayers, and, and you saw the connection, rh.com. Uh, that's an easy way, too, for you to sign up for our monthly newsletter. I meant to mention this first service, but you can sign up and just kind of keep up with our updates uh, monthly, how, where we're at, what's happening. Uh, and so our heart is, is to see the residency will kind of close out towards the end of summer, and we hope to be planted late fall, first of next year. So, uh, man, we'd love for you to follow us and just keep up with that, but uh, I'm excited. I appreciate uh, Pastor Billy. I appreciate his staff. As I said, uh, man, just an incredible group of people. God has blessed you. And I know they represent just a small portion of who you are. Amen. Uh, church is only as, as strong as the team. Uh, and man, y'all have an awesome team just scattered across the campus uh, here this morning. Uh, and I appreciate you. Uh, but I appreciate Pastor Billy letting me sh share uh, this part of the brand new series we're going to kick off and continue on through Easter. Uh, but I appreciate uh, Blake, uh, Frankie, uh, Miss Laura, all, Anna, all you guys that work so hard. Man, y'all have a great staff. Really, you do. Uh, I've learned so much from them. And, uh, and so I'm excited to see what God does right here in Connection Church of Vidalia, but also praying towards uh, uh, reaching people in Richmond Hill. And I appreciate my team. I appreciate the team being here. Uh, some of them are out in the hall. So uh, they may get, might get frisked by the security personnel but because uh, they're not familiar face. <laughs> but anyway, they're out kind of just watching you guys do what you do, asking Billy some questions. But uh, some, some, of our, some more team I want to introduce to you. Uh, right on the end, my grandfather, Melvin, uh, good to have him. He, uh, he adopted me a few years ago, and I appreciate him being here, making the trip uh, from Effingham to be here with me today. Uh, and and um, Timon and Melinda... Uh, and their son, Jared, they got another boy at, at Barry uh, right now, probably getting ready for practice. So they run them wild up there. But, uh, but anyway, I appreciate time and Melinda. They've been uh, friends, uh, also financial uh, support for, for long before we even started a residency. And I couldn't be here without team members like that. Of course, I didn't get to introduce my wife. I started with her first in the first service, for the record. All right. But, uh, but anyway, I appreciate my wife. She's our, my biggest teammate. Uh, and Kate's sitting by her because she started speaking in tongues the first service, so Kate's sitting by her to calm her down. Um, no, I appreciate her and Luke, and Emma's somewhere around with my two other girls that are in back in KK. So uh, anyway, guys, thank y'all uh, for allowing us to be here, and I, I just, I'm so excited to share the gospel changes everything. The gospel changes everything, and that is a, that's a bold statement. That's a pretty audacious statement to claim uh, in our area. Now, if I was in a third world country or maybe somewhere where the gospel's not uh, as prevalent, uh, we, we, that, that'd probably be like, oh yeah, it is, well, tell me so. But when we say that, our cultural Christian society, like to, to, to always need to go to church on Sunday and always pass by a, a thousand churches on our way to work, it's like we hear that and yeah, Patrick, that's what you're supposed to say. Yeah, that's why we hired Billy, right? To teach us that the gospel changes everything. But how often do we allow that to, to sink in, to settle, and to change our life? 
Because truth be known, the real gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ does in fact change everything. And I'm so privileged to get here and, and share that with you. So go with me in your Bible, chapter 19 of the book of Luke. And uh, we're going to look at chapter 19, just a, a few verses, but hold your finger in, in 18 because we'll jump back. Jesus kind of, you can't really appreciate chapter 19, the story of Zacchaeus, without understanding what Jesus just preached in chapter 18. So I tell you, we know a few things about Zacchaeus. Uh, we know he was a, a wee little man. And a wee little man was he, right? And he climbed up in the sycamore tree because what? For the Lord, there we go. He wanted to see, right? Some of y'all just got your uh, ticket to heaven stamped by knowing that, ver knowing that song, okay? No, I'm, I'm joking. But seriously, uh, yeah, you knew it. I'm glad you did because there may be some unchurched people here that are like, what? What did he see? Like, and, uh, but for the Lord, he wanted to see. Right, and so we're, I get to share Zacchaeus, and, and honestly, I probably hadn't preached on Zacchaeus since like my children ministry days. I don't know why, because actually in this portion of scripture, it encapsulates one of the verses that me and you quote and say and probably memorized in, in kids' church and taught our kids to memorize it. And so this is such a cool portion of scripture. But we see uh, Zacchaeus as a man, the Bible describes him as a chief tax collector. Now, this is the only time in your scripture that uh, he's noted as a chief tax collector. That, that title's not used anywhere else. And so basically, here's a Jewish man who has grown and developed favor with the Romans to get a promotion. So as you can imagine, what he has to do to get that job promotion, right? What did he have to do to become chief over the other tax collectors? What was a tax collector? A tax collector was, was, was a person who had full authority under the Roman government. A lot of them even had Roman centurions assigned to them to go knock on the door of their Jewish brothers and sisters and say, hey, Rome needs your taxes. However, Rome also gave them full permission to take anything and, and everything above that as a tip, as a earning, as a wage for themselves. So I'm sure there probably had to be a few decent tax collectors that said, hey man, just, just give me another uh, few cents on that and that'll help me take care of my family. But most of the tax collectors were hated and, and reviled and made fun of by their brothers and sisters because they're working for Rome to take Jewish money. And so a lot of them, even the Pharisees and Sadducees, would pray, I mean, thinking they, there's no way they would be, have favor with God or anything. And so these men were vile people. These men were probably uh, hated uh, in everywhere that they went, even though most of them were rich. Most of them could probably buy anything they wanted in that day and age, but they were hated among their brothers and their sisters in the Jewish community. Why? Because they were robbing them. And so here's Zacchaeus, as you can imagine, I don't, the Bible doesn't give us his age, but he's lived long enough now to not only work for Rome, but now to earn a promotion that he's over other tax collectors. And so he comes to the end of himself. He comes to a point where he now is, no, the, the, the money, the things he can buy, just his own servants, just at his command, they can do whatever he asks. He had come to the point where that no longer was filling uh, the void and the hole in his life. 
And so Zacchaeus probably begins to hear stories of this rabbi from Nazareth. Probably begins to hear stories of this teacher that says he that sits and eats and dines with sinners and publicans and, and those that are worse in the community. And he's probably thinking, oh yeah, probably another rabbi that's using tactics to get approval from our Jewish people, but whatever. But his popularity begins to grow. His popularity begins to uh, take over in their area. And now Zacchaeus is curious, right? Zacchaeus has developed this curiosity. Maybe, just maybe, this Jesus will listen to me. Right, just maybe this Jesus will actually let me talk to him, or maybe I can just meet him, and, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, I can have favor with God. Maybe God will notice me and fix whatever's going on in my heart and in my mind, because obviously the riches wasn't doing it, and obviously his title, his rank among Rome was not doing it. And so he has an encounter with Jesus. And it's one of the coolest stories that we have in the gospel. But think about this. Zacchaeus, was, he was searching for something more. Let's just read the text together and we'll jump right in, okay? So look in Luke chapter 19 and I'm just gonna get through it so you can uh, kind of have the text to, uh, to see the story and then we'll go back and, and, and pull some main characters out, all right? Let's do it. Let's go to church. Verse one, he entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich and was trying to see who Jesus was but was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he, he climbed up the sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with the sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. Lord, if I have exhorted anything, extorted, excuse me, anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house. Jesus told him because he too is the son of Abraham. For this, here's the message, for this the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. Amen. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you, Lord. I thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, just a spirit in the first service to, to preach and, and to receive what you have. Lord, I thank you for dealing with my heart early in the week as, as Billy was talking through this message and we were talking through this whole series as a whole. And God, you've been dealing with me. And I, my prayer, God, is that you would start right here, Lord. Start right here on this stage. Deal with my heart. May I become more generous. Lord, may I see Christ deeper and in a better relationship than I ever have. And Lord, may that go across everybody in this auditorium. May you challenge us, change us through your word, God. Hide us behind the cross. I don't want to say anything that you don't want your spirit to say today. So Lord, uh, we submit to him and we submit our ears to hear what he would have for us to, to hear today. And uh, we just thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. And Amen. So as we look, we see that the gospel creates a generous person, right? A generous person. And so I want to look at these, 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 these um, uh, first uh, main characters, or, or the main characters here in the text. But think about this. Zacchaeus, as I mentioned, was searching for something more. 
Amen. He, he had come to a point in his life where he was tired of all the riches, tired of what money could buy, and he knew that I needed something different than the way I've been living, right? And he was seeking Jesus. He wanted to seek Jesus, but you know as well as I do that Jesus was actually seeking him. Right from the very first sin, hey, God, he saw Adam and Eve in the garden when they sinned, and then they, they fled and hid from God. What, God came through in the cool of the mist and said, Adam, where are you? And, and where are you, Adam? And he said, I'm here. And he, God was seeking him, and Jesus seeking Zacchaeus. And today, the Holy Spirit of God is still seeking you and seeking me. If you're in here today, you remember if you're in here today and the Holy Spirit has drew you, if you're in here today and you felt, you, you know, you've kind of, man, I want to know more about God. I, I feel like I should know more about God. I want to get my kids to know more about God. And I, I want to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If that is in you, I promise that's not of you. That's of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you. And I remember as a 14-year-old punk, I remember uh, the Holy Spirit slowly drawing me in my life. I, I remember the parties and the drinking and all my friends, everybody around me, everybody that I surrounded myself with in my life had nothing to do with God. I didn't know God. I didn't grow up in church. But there was something inside me that said, you know what? I don't want that. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to be there. I don't want to experience that. I and, and even though I hung with these people, I tried to call them my friends, and I tried to uh, accomplish myself with them, there was something inside me ticking, saying, uh-uh, there's something deeper, something more. I didn't know what that was. But as a young teen, God began drawing me back to himself. And I remember I started, uh, in middle school, I started like, uh, I, I fell across some books in the, I didn't get to share this the first service, I forgot this part, but I, but, but, but I, I fell across some books in the library, the Left Behind series, and I began thumbing through there and, and reading about the end times, and I was given a Bible because I was asking about the end times, and I began reading that Bible, and I realized that there was a God that loves us, a God that wanted to save us. And I remember at the corner of my bedside, 2072, that's 15A at that trailer park on Hepsom MacBean Road. I remember after reading the book of Revelation, I knelt down at the corner of my bed, and I don't remember what I prayed. I was 14 years old. I couldn't articulate what God was trying to do, but I just knew I full, felt the full weight of God and his wrath on me, kind of almost like a crushing feeling, like, Lord, I don't know what I need to do, but I just know I, I don't want to die. I don't want to go to hell. And I remember getting up that day, the end of March 2002, and I don't like using the term feeling because we're such a feel-good culture, but it was almost like a feeling of, man, I was okay. You know, I was saved. I was saved. But can I tell you, young person, can I tell you, there was nothing inside me that was seeking the Lord. Amen. It was all God drawing me unto himself just as he's done since the Garden of Eden, since sin has wreaked havoc on human race. God's been drawing his people back to him. And we see right here in the life of Zacchaeus that he wants to do that to you, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbor. Hey, you are still slap dab right in the middle of God's rescue plan. Amen. Anybody rescued today? Anybody saved? Yes, that's right. That's you and that's me. And guys, listen, the Holy Spirit is still seeking those to be saved today. And guess what? Those that are saved, he's still seeking you to draw in even deeper, even closer in that walk with him. Amen? So we're going to look at three main characters real quick in the true account from Scripture that will teach us how the gospel changes 
everything, all right? Here we go, main character number one, okay? Now I'm gonna give you a little hint. It's not Zacchaeus, all right? The first service says Zacchaeus, and, and obviously I kind of baited him for that, but the main character, number one, we're gonna start with is give me your Sunday school answer. The right answer to everything is Jesus. Yes, yes, there you go. That's why you're the rowdy crowd, right? I mean, you're saved. Now I know. All right, so Jesus, Jesus is the main character. Not only is he the main character of this story, he's actually the main character of the story before and the story after, and you might as well go ahead and throw in all 66 books of the Bible because he's the main character of all of them, right? He is the main character. So let's just look at what this story teaches us about Christ, right? So we see here that Jesus was fully present. Jesus is fully present. As you can imagine, Zacchaeus hearing that this, this rabbi was finally coming to Jericho. As you can imagine, he thought, wow, what? He's going to be here today. And as he made his way out to the city gates, and Jericho was a massive city, huge walls. And as he made himself out to the city gates, and he uh, heard the crowd making their way. And as you can imagine, Jericho, the, the people started coming out saying, Jesus is finally coming here. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And he's finally making his way to Jericho. And, and they probably noticed Zacchaeus and thought, what is this guy doing here? There ain't, there ain't no hope for him. Jesus don't mess with him. And, 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 he, and he's probably getting crowded out. And the crowd's gathering around the city gates. And Zacchaeus is getting pushed back. And he's thinking, well, I want to see Jesus. And he looks behind him and he spots that sycamore tree and he climbs up in it for the Lord he wanted to see, right? And so he started looking and he saw Jesus come and he, he watched how he moved in the crowd and he, and he said, wow, look, he's even talking to women in public and man, look how he's treating that widow and oh, he's, he's playing with the kids. He's like running around and acting like a child himself and, and, and look how he carries himself and he's no, not in a hurry. And that's, that's, isn't that like our God? Like he, he owns time, yet he doesn't ever run out of time. I mean, he's just, he's right on time and, and, and he sees him moving and he's like, wow, this is so neat. I wonder if I get to meet him. I wonder if he'll stop, stay the night. I wonder if he's got a place to sleep tonight. I wonder if he's got, knows somebody in town where he's gonna be at. And he's eyeball to eyeball with Jesus. And about that time, he notices the Savior looking his way. He notices Jesus looking at him, and he's, he's probably thinking, wait a minute, is he, is he looking at me? I, did somebody else beat me in this tree? You know, like, like what, what, what's going on here? And about that time, he, Jesus removed all doubt of who he was looking at because he says, Zacchaeus, amen? Zacchaeus, come down, amen? And he knows him. He calls him by name, but that's, this is what teaches us about Jesus. Uh, Jesus when he passes through, he's fully present. Amen. Hey, we serve a God who's fully present. No matter what you're going through in life, no matter what you're experiencing, Jesus is never too busy for you. Amen. You can pray and talk to him any time. He's always there. He was on his way to the cross, yet he was still on mission, right? We just saw a few verses before in chapter 18. He tells his disciples, Time to go to Jerusalem. Oh, yeah, again? Yeah, I'm going there to die, and in three days I'll rise again. And they're, just, they're still in disbelief. Like, what? We're going there to die? Gee, within seven days of this text, now, within seven days of this text, uh, it, it will be his last time entering Jerusalem in human flesh, alive. Within seven days, he'll be tried, betrayed, beaten, bled out, and dead in a grave. And he knew that. And yet he still slowed down enough for someone like Zacchaeus. Still slowed down and moved slowly through the crowd. 
Can I tell you this? Now, newsflash for you, if, if you're not used to church, in three weeks, uh, two weeks, excuse me, Billy's going to preach about the resurrection. He didn't stay dead. Some of you are like, oh, man, Jesus died? Oh, man. No, no, he didn't stay there, okay? But I don't want to take his message, all right? He got up. But, uh, but listen, he was on mission. Look, we see real quickly, Jesus gave the instruction in verse 5 of chapter 19. Why did he give instruction? Because he's the way, right? Look at verse 5. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. But we also say he gave an invitation. Why? Because he's the truth, right? He's the truth. Zacchaeus, come down. It is necessary for me to stay at your house, right? It's necessary. He gave him instruction because he's the truth. Anybody ever allowed a truth of God just to instruct your life? When you allow the full weight of who God is to really impact your life, you allow the gospel to say no to your nasty flesh and say yes to the spirit of God. I tell you, you'll know, you won't walk away different because the truth changes us. Amen. And Jesus gives that invitation. Come to the truth. I am the way. I am the truth. But he's also the life. Jesus gives Identity. He gave identity to Zacchaeus that day. He knew him by name. Can you imagine Zacchaeus that day heard his name like he's never heard it before? He usually heard, oh, Zacchaeus, oh, yeah, righteous one. That's what your name means. You're a thief. You're a loser. You're a robber. You're a sellout. But that day, he heard Jesus in such a loving way. Zacchaeus, come, come down. For today, it's necessary for me to be at your house. Think about that, guys. Jesus gives identity. And guess what? He knows your name. He knows your name. He knows what you've been through. He knows who you've been with this week. He knows what you've put in your veins just to inoculate your mind to get you to escape your current situation. He understands every deep, dark thing you've been through. He has felt it. He knows it. He came in human flesh so he could feel the weight of our infirmities and the weight of our temptations. He knows what you're going through. And he knows what your name, he knows your name. He knows everything you're experiencing. He knows that dad that walked out on you. He knows that mom that, that put that, that label on you that you know is really not you, but you feel like you should fulfill it because mama said it. And listen, he knows all that baggage that you're carrying. And he invites you out of that. He's saying, come. Man, this story teaches us so much about Jesus. But let me ask you this. How much, or, or excuse me, have you found new life in Jesus? Have you found new life in Christ? Amen. One of the worship leaders shared with me backstage. She said, my son just got saved a few weeks ago. Man, that's so happy. I, it made me so happy because, man, that is a life change. Have you experienced that? Amen. Hey, Jesus is the main character of this story, but is he the main character of your story? Amen. Has he came into your life? He knows where you are. Ask yourself, do you know Christ? Number two, the crowd. This, this, this teaches us about humankind, about mankind, about how we are. The crowd, we see, number two, the crowd had an opportunity missed. Let me give you this just for some study and research later, but that's the, that's the devil's job. That's his tactic. Paul tells the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, in their case, the God of this age, little g God, yeah, everybody say Satan. He thinks he's a God, he's a little God. Amen. He, he's got, he, his power was given to him, right, by God Almighty. God, ain't nobody gave him his power. He owns it, right? And so this little G God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Y'all ever sit around a table and thought, man, what is wrong with that, that joker? 
He's lost, right? What is wrong? We get surprised in Christians. Y'all know what Disney's doing. Yeah, I know what Disney's doing. They're lost. Like, that's, how, that's what they do. That's what lost people do. They need the light of the glorious gospel to shine into their life. And Satan's trying to do that. Maybe you're in here today and he's trying to blind your mind. Don't listen to him. Listen to the word of God. It has stood the test of time and you need to receive the gospel today. But that's what the crowd was doing. They had an opportunity that was missed. We see, if you thumb back to chapter 18, as I said, we'll, we'll be in chapter 18 and then, of course, that first part of 19. So just hold your, hold your page and wear it out for a little bit with us. But, but Jesus talks to a, a rich, young ruler. Chapter 18, verse 24, they, or excuse me, um, verse 18, uh, 18, 18, uh, right there, it, the, the ruler is in the crowd and he's hearing Jesus teach. And he gets to speak to the Savior. Think about this. Like, he gets to see Jesus, and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I'm just going to paraphrase, but Jesus is like, why do you call me good? No one's good but God. Have you kept the commandments? He's like, oh, yeah, I've kept them from my youth. And then look what Jesus says in verse 22. When Jesus heard this, he told him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. After he heard this, he became extremely sad because he was very rich. And Jesus makes this statement in the next verse, verse 24. How hard is it for those to have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? Think about this, guys. This young, rich ruler was eyeball to eyeball with Jesus and missed it. And I hate to tell you this, but most of what, if you work for a living today, you probably have more riches than even this young ruler had. We're all rich. In our society, we're, we're filthy rich. And so often, don't our riches just cloud our mind and cumber our bodies and cumber our work schedule and our church schedule? And we, we'd love to serve at Connection so much more, but I got to do this and I got to do that. And, and man, that's what riches do. They, they grab us. And they, it's almost like the blessings of God will steal the, the benefits of God and, and the things that we're supposed to be doing for other people in the church, right? And that's what's happening to this rich person. He, he walks away sad because he had too many rich. He had a missed opportunity. Then we see the crowd missed another opportunity. If you look in, in, in verse 20, 35 of chapter 18, it says, and as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging, hearing the crowd pass by. He, he inquired what was happening. Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, they told him. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those in front of him grabbed him and picked him up and said, hey, Jesus, we got a blind guy. Help us. Now, if Dr. Seuss would have wrote this, he probably would have put that in there, right? And just great story. But, but unfortunately, that's, that's not what happens. What really happens is the crowd in front of him, look what it says. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And those in front of him, in front of this blind man, told him, keep quiet. Keep quiet. And he kept crying out. Thank God Jesus heard his cry. Amen. Hey, Jesus will hear your cry. He hears your innermost feeling. Doesn't matter if the crowd's, you're, you're in the crowd neck deep. You don't know how you're going to get yourself out of some of the trouble. You've got yourself in. Jesus can hear your cry. Amen. He can hear you. And the crowd missed an opportunity. They could at least use the blind man as leverage, right? Hey, Jesus, I heard you heal these kind of people. I want to meet you. I want to get close to you. But no, not even that. They were so just enamored with them getting what they wanted. And that's exactly what we see through the rich young ruler. He wanted to be right. He had a checklist. God, yeah, I got this, got this, get the check. Am I good, Jesus? 
Am I good? Can I go to heaven with all my righteousness and my riches? Can I do it? And that's the gospel. It's not our righteousness that gets us to heaven. It's his righteousness. Amen. And so that's why he walks away sad. He wanted to go to heaven, but he wanted to go his way. Amen. He wanted to go his way. So the crowd missed an opportunity. But then they had an ulterior motive. Sorry, guys. They had an ulterior motive. In verse 7, we see this. Chapter 19, verse 7. It says, all who saw it. He calls out to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus! Hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. It says, and all that saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man? All, that means even his disciples are there like, what? Zacchaeus, like all the places. Do you know who lives in Jericho? Jesus, maybe you're not sure what he does or maybe you haven't been praying lately and so you're not spiritually attuned to what Zacchaeus does, but uh, you probably don't wanna go to his house. All who saw it began to complain. They had ulterior motive. They wanted, to, they wanted Jesus to see them. Jesus, look at me. Look what I've done. Look what I have to offer. No, it's all about what he offers us. That's the gospel. Hey, and then also that same crowd had an ordered mutiny. You can study this, but Billy will preach on it in a few weeks. Chapter 23, 18 through 20. That same crowd, it says they cried out together in unity. Together, what did they cry out? My Savior, my Jesus. Hey, Pilate, get your hands off him. That's my Savior. I, I'll die with him then. How about that? No, no, they didn't do that. They cried out, crucify, crucify. The same Savior they were just following. Think about this, guys. Have you fell victim to the crowd? Have you, are you following Jesus for what you can get out of him? Are you, are, you, are you still stuck in your sin and in your own righteousness and what you think you can bring? to Jesus. No, no, no. Let's look at Zacchaeus, the third main character in our story. And this is the message here. Let me give it to you. It teaches us about our salvation and the fruit of our salvation, which should be generosity, right? Think about this. The Bible says Zacchaeus was of short stature, but in a spiritual sense, hey, we're all of little stature, right? Romans chapter three, verse 10, for uh, there's none righteous, no, not one. Uh, Verse 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says, but God, in chapter five, verse eight, but God commended his love towards us. That means he showcased, he, he proved his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, God, Christ died for us. In Romans 6, 23, it says what? For the wages, the, our, what we earn, what we get, what we deserve, the wages of our sin is death. Paul, ain't you glad the verse don't stop right there? <laughs> hey, ain't you glad Paul was writing this and not some lost person? Because Paul continued to write, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen, that's the good news. So we're all short stature, and spiritually speaking, Zacchaeus, he had obviously heard, as I mentioned earlier, Jesus, he, he, he talks to publicans, he talks to sinners, he, he talks to tax collectors. Actually, he's got one following him. Uh, this, this guy, Matthew, is like following him and, 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 and keeping a record of what's happening. Like, oh my goodness, like, maybe I can talk to Jesus. Maybe I can sing. Zacchaeus' name, as I mentioned, meant, meant righteousness, but he had no righteousness. He had a lot of riches, but he was bankrupt. Think about this, guys. He was a small child. Number one, he was a small child. Or excuse me, he was a small man, but he became a big child. 
He was a small man that became a big child. Proving Jesus' message in chapter 18, verse 17. Look at verse 17. Uh, Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God is like a little child. uh, Like a little child will never enter in it. If you don't come to me as a little child, and that that gives such a picture of what Zacchaeus did that day because he he couldn't get close to Christ, but he gave up his dignity and his reputation and his status. Maybe his his tax collecting centurion was there, and he said, hey, 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 Mark, sorry, buddy, I got to leave you for a minute. I got to get up in this tree so I can see Christ. And he climbs this tree as a kid, and he looks out just to see Jesus. The Bible says when he calls his name, he, he drops down. And he runs up to him joyfully. Joyfully, he received, he welcomed him joyfully, verse 6 says. Think about this. I, I know uh, we got parents in here. Uh, most of your church is made up of KKers, uh, <laughs> like people in kids' ministry. And, and I'm so excited about that. But, but listen, as, you can, as, as me being a, a dad and, and my little kids, uh, Rory and Wren is their name. And, and, and when I get home and I'll walk in the door, guess what? They don't interrogate me. Hey, Dad, what'd you do today? Dad, how much you make? How was work? Dad, what'd you see today? What'd you experience? Who'd you talk to? How's things going? No, listen, when I walk in the door, my two little girls are like, Daddy. And they run to me, and I pick them up, and I hold them, and if I held them until the moment they dropped their head to sleep, they would be fine with that. There's nothing I need to bring or provide or have. They're just happy with Daddy. And that's the picture of Zacchaeus here. He was happy that Jesus actually spoke to him, invited him in. And guys, listen, that's how we come to our father in that same spirit, crying, Abba, Father, he's our dad, he's our provider, he's everything that we possibly could ever need, all in one person, that person named Jesus, right? And Zacchaeus wanted Jesus. He was a small man, but he became a big child, right? and, And then we see he was a rich man, that became a righteous man. He really gained righteousness that day. Though his name meant righteous, he was a poser. And listen, don't we pose like that? We pose like we're righteous. We, we put on the good clothes. We put on the good front. And sometimes we'll take it off at home and act a fool. But most of the time we try and pose like we're righteous. Paul talked to those people in the last days. He, he warned Timothy, young Timothy. He said, in the last days they'll have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Amen. And that is, man, if he wasn't preaching to us, I don't know who is, because that's us. We like to, we like to formulate something about God and to carry our, our self like we're righteous. But I'll tell you this, unless we go to Jesus, all riches, all rags, and give him everything, we can't receive the true gospel, the true repentance that we see Zacchaeus had. So look at chapter 18 again, verse 24. Remember the rich young ruler just walked away sad. And Jesus says, how hard is it? For those to have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, when I first started reading scripture, I was thinking about the little sewing needle, right? But it's, that's actually a teaching everybody in that culture would have understood it. Because the eye of a needle was like a city gate that was just really narrow that people could slip through. But like camels and donkey and all, livestock couldn't get through, so they would keep it narrow to keep all the animals out. So that's, that's the illustration Jesus is making, that it's easier for a camel to go through that eye of a needle, like to squish through there, than it is for a rich person to get in heaven. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, uh-oh, Patrick, well, that's a contradiction to chapter 19, right? I mean, Zacchaeus was rich, but he just got saved, according to what you read. 
But so what is he saying here? But listen, read on now. Hang on before you scoff against God's word, all right? Look at this. He says, and those, those, those asked him, they thought the same thing. Well, who, who then can be saved, Jesus? Verse, 27, uh, verse 26 and verse 27, he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. The righteousness part, God, all comes from God. We don't meet God halfway with our church attendance. We don't meet God because we serve in KK nine times a month, right? We don't meet God because of our merits and our opportunity we bring to the Lord. Oh, no, 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 no. Jesus, salvation is Jesus coming the entire way to get you and to get me out of the despair and depravity and depths of sin to save us from hell forever and ever. And it's all him coming, not us going to him, right? Religion will tell us we got to get to God but it ain't us seeking him, it's him seeking us. Do you feel it? Do you feel it right now? I feel, I feel the spirit just draw me into him. And you should want to feel that because that is how we have true righteousness. It's his righteousness in our place. Look at this, guys. Think about it. God knows your heart. Maybe, maybe you came because this is the cool church in town, right? Maybe, you know what, Patrick? I like connection. I feel welcome here. Great, I'm glad you came. Maybe you came because you like Billy's teaching. He's an excellent expositor. Maybe you came because Blake gave you a shot in ministry and he gives you attention on Wednesday nights, you know? Or maybe you came because you love Andrew. You know, he's so fine, he's so fine, he blows your mind, you know? But, but, listen, uh, but listen, unless you've come for Jesus, you have a form of godliness, right? You need to come for him and you need to come through him. That is salvation. That is the gospel. And that will truly make you generous. We're all bankrupt, as I mentioned. We're all bankrupt without Christ. So Zacchaeus was a small man that became a big child. He was a rich man that became truly righteous. But he also was an empty man that became fulfilled. Fulfilled. Now you can get filled, and what happens? You need to be uh, you, you get empty again, right? You have to get refilled. But that full field is deeper. That full, full field is big. Look at uh, back at verse uh, uh, 8 and 9. Uh, he came down joyfully as a little kid, and everybody's complaining. The crowd is yay-yaying and, and, and whining. But Zacchaeus stood there, verse 8, and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay it back four times as much. He's not only saying what the law requires in the Old Testament, but he's saying I'll, I'll go above and beyond whatever it takes because Jesus has received them. And look what Jesus says in verse 9. Today, today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is the son of Abraham. Now look at this culturally. Saying this, saying this to a Jewish person, saying you are a son of Abraham was a way of respect. I mean, it was the highest honor anybody could have got as a Jewish man because it represented the covenantal promise that God had given Abraham back from the very beginning of time. Abraham was the man, the first man that God ever communed with and covenanted with that said, if you do this, I will do this, right? And actually, even when you don't do this, I'm still going to do this, right? And so that was the covenant. You remember the covenant? I will make a great nation of you. I will make, give you a great name among all nations that you may glorify my name that all praise be brought to my name. He gave it to Abraham. He reminded Isaac of it. And then he had to remind Jacob three or four times, kind of like me and you, he was just hard-headed. And he just had to keep reminding him. And that's why in the Bible, you'll see the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Because that was the covenant promise. And so Jewish men, 
I mean, it's like me and you. You've ever had a, a dad or a grandpa or a coach or a mom just wrap her arms around you and say, hey, sweetie, I'm, I'm proud of you. Right? What is that? You feel that? You know, it makes you feel so, yes, thank you. Man, I'm proud of you. And when Jesus said, today, you're a son of, surely he too is a son of Abraham. Everybody in that room would have been like, oh, really? Like, Jesus, he, he robs people. He steals people. This thief is the son of Abraham. How dare you say that? But I don't know about you, but Jesus wasn't scared of nobody. <laughs> he wasn't scared. He didn't ever, he never held back on his words. Amen. And, and he will, won't to this day. But listen, he's empty and he became fulfilled. Can you imagine Zacchaeus? All he wanted was just to, just to meet Jesus. All he wanted was just to see Jesus. And now he's being reaffirmed that he's saved. I don't know about you, but in the Bible, you don't see Jesus make any, too many announcements about, hey, today in revival, we had three people get saved, or we had 20 people accept me today. But, but in this story, he announces it. Truly, this man, today, salvation's come to this house. Truly, this man is the son of Abraham. How about that, guys? An empty man became fulfilled. He fulfilled the promise of Abraham that he too will live and, 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 and bring glory to God's name and, and, and glorify God upon all nations. Church history tells us uh, all the way back to the second century that, that Zacchaeus became the first, uh, first bishop or pastor of the church at Caesarea. Think about that. The church at Caesarea, and now he's pastor, and he's devoted his life to live for Jesus because of this encounter. And, and look, he became a generous person. Zach's life became the pulpit for Jesus to preach his mission. Think about this. As I mentioned earlier, we quote verse 10 so often, but a lot of times we forget the context that Jesus preached this in Zacchaeus' living room. Right? I mean, they cut the game off. They said, stop eating the tortilla chips. I have something to say. Hey, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He preached that in Zacchaeus' living room. A thieving, lying, backbiting, uh, 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 a traitor to his own people. Yet he was saved that day. And Jesus was able to preach the gospel right there. Zacchaeus had repentance. He had a desire for Christ. And he had a generosity that outweighed so much. He was willing to give it all back, to give it all up for Jesus. For Jesus. So what does that do for you? And what does that do for me? I love this. Blake, we studied this message together. He, he helped me with this. But it says, Jesus said, today is necessary for me to stay at your house. Hey, hey, see, Jesus wanted to do life with Zacchaeus. Jesus didn't want to just stop by, hey, bye, sorry, I got to go. He wanted to do life with Zacchaeus forever. And God wants to do life with you. Amen. Having Jesus as a Savior is not about just coming to church. It's about having him as Lord. It's about taking him home. It's about praying when you wake up, praying before you go to sleep, bringing your kids to the Bible and explaining to them, thus saith the Lord. It's, it's an everyday lifestyle that Jesus wants to do life with us. Man, think about a God. A God who waits at the right hand of his Father to make intercession for me and you. Like, that's not plan D. That's not even plan C or even B. That's plan A. That's Jesus' job description right now this morning. Like, when you pray, he's there to help the Father hear your prayers. Think about that. Is that not incredible? Like, you wake up in the morning, and Jesus is sitting right there. He didn't have to sleep. He's like, oh, she's finally awake. Yes, I love it when she prays. Oh, man, he's finally up. I can't wait to do life with him. 
And maybe you get busy. Maybe Jesus said, oh, yeah, oh, oh, he didn't pray when he got, he woke up a little late. I understand. Oh, he's got to run. He's got an early meeting today. And oh, oh, well, his lunch, he, he, he didn't pray with me. And he, oh, oh man, I really, really wish you'd do life with me. But can you imagine when that saint of God that once was a sinner wakes up and calls out to God their father, Lord, I'm here today. I, I need you. Lord, this week was rough. God, you know, I, here's this same prayer request. I, based out of your word, it says you hear it. Based out, out of your Bible, I think you're listening. Hey, let me tell you something, guys. He is listening. If you're saved in here today and you're a Christian today, there ain't one prayer you've prayed since you've been saved that God has not heard. There ain't one prayer that he hasn't took into account and repeated to God, the Father, the maker and author of the universe. He heard your prayers because Jesus' payment on the cross. Amen. You can have that relationship. Shouldn't that make us generous? Shouldn't that make us generous? Well, here's the application. J.D. Greer says this, those who experience the gospel become like the gospel. Jesus was pretty generous. Zacchaeus became generous with so much more than money, devoted his life to the ministry. And some of you have yet to receive Jesus' invitation. Some of you are still, you're still in that tree. You came this morning, yeah, I'm going to see. <laughs> yeah, I'll see. Let's, let's, I'm going to give it one more chance. Easter's coming. I probably need to be there. And I'm just going to see what that God's all about, see what Jesus is up to this week. Hey, why are you still in the tree? Why are you still sitting in the tree? Jesus has said, come. Hey, get out the tree. Jesus has said, come. That invitation is open to the entire world. Anybody that will come under the full weight of who God is and the full weight of their own sin bearing down and say, God, I'm done. I'm tired. I don't want that. Please forgive me. And they'll receive Christ and what he's done on the cross for them. And they would just ask him to save them. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's it. That's, I know. You're like, no, there's no way that's simple. I know. I did blows my mind every time that God would save somebody like me and save somebody uh, alive today. God is still in the saving business. And so let me ask you this. Why are you still in the tree? Why have you not received Christ as your Savior? And number two, let's talk to some saved folk. Some of us need to be okay with Jesus helping people that are not like us. Some of us need to be okay with people that don't look like us or have the background we have or the good old boy raising that we've had. We need to be okay with Jesus using them, huh? Some of us need to get okay with that coworker that you can't stand, but you know they need Jesus. Why do you think you're there? <laughs> Why do you think you work next to them? Oh, well, Pastor, I got to pay the light bill. No, no, trust me, God pays light bills, all right? God gave you a job to be a disciple maker and a witness, amen? And, and listen, hey, hey, you got to be okay with those that aren't like us. We got to be okay, church, when we look across the, world, the, the ocean, that great divide, and we see a church in Africa that's worshiping and dancing, and we're thinking, oh, that ain't how you should do that. We got to be okay with hearing that, 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 that there's other people in other cultures that Jesus is reaching. Right? Some of us got to be okay with people with a different skin color. Marrying somebody with a different skin color. Right? So, so, so we need to be okay that this person serves Jesus and gets all these opportunities and we don't. Why? Because the invitation is open to everybody. Everybody that will come to Jesus will be saved. And here's the preaching time. Okay, I hadn't preached up to this point. This is the preaching. Here it is. <laughs> Just an application. 
Some of y'all are good with that. That's easy. You know, we're in the Bible Belt South. Most of y'all are like, hey, boy, I'll give you a high five. Great job on your promotion. Great job on your raise. I'm proud that you got it. You know, we love, we love people down here in the South. But listen, here's the preaching. Some of you need to be okay with Jesus wanting you. Wanting you. Amen? Some of you need to be okay with Jesus saying, you come to me just as you are. A lot of us can't can't understand that Jesus would love us even though we said that to our ex-wife. A lot of us got to be okay that Jesus loves us even though we acted the way we acted three days ago and now we're in church. A lot of us, we got to see ourselves that we have value in the eyes of God because of what Christ has done. When we devalue ourselves, we look at the cross and say, ah, God, you didn't do that great of a thing. But when we hold ourselves up that Jesus died for us, like, like not, he didn't just come back and teach some pretty cool stuff so we could share it. Like he taught the stuff and then laid down his life for us. That means you're pretty valuable, right? I'm pretty valuable to God. There is almost 8 billion people on planet earth that God is interested in. And you're one of them. Say, so Patrick, I wore long sleeves today because I'm hiding track marks. Jesus loves you. Say, Patrick, I'm stealing money from my kids just to keep beer in my refrigerator. God loves you. Amen. Patrick, you don't understand me. You don't know me. I don't have to know you. Oh, but there's a Jesus that knows your name. And you need to be okay with Jesus helping you. Because he helps people that are in need of help. He said, I didn't come back to help the whole, but the sick. They're the ones that need the physician. Jesus is the great physician. What Christian in here? Oh, you're saved. You got fire insurance. <laughs> but you won't live for Christ because you don't think you have value. Oh, man. Billy preached it last, last week. He says, Satan has a pathway. God has a pathway. Which way are you going to choose? I promise you, if it's a way of shame and guilt and defeat and you're always negative on yourself and negative on those around you and you're being a bully to others because you bull, always bully yourself emotionally and you just don't think you measure up, that is from Satan. He is a liar and the father of it and he's just scared because he knows he's going to hell. But listen, you are not going to hell. You're a saved person. You are on the king's highway on, on their way to heaven and you need to be bringing people along with you and then, so, so God's way is, is life, life everlasting, forgiveness, truth, joy. You should be experiencing this in your life. Don't listen to the Satan's lies. Don't listen to the enemy. Think about this. Some of us need to heed Jesus' invitation. Some of us need to be okay with Jesus helping people that are not like us. Danny Frank says, when people who are not like us become our mission, it will bring about change in our churches. You need to reach, you need to reach that person you're working with. You need to reach that person down the road. You need to reach that family that, you know, they have problems, you know, and it's kind of uncomfortable to talk about them all the time. Hey, just let them talk. You may be the only Jesus they know. Let them talk. Oh, God, help us. All of us, though, need to be generous with our life. I know you come up in here like me, probably broke, <laughs> done wore off, payday done wore off two days ago, right? But listen, God doesn't just need your money. Do you know he owns a cattle on a thousand hills and he can slay two or three for you? Listen, it's not just about money. You have two hands, you have two feet, you got two eyes, you got a mouth, you have a heart, you have a brain to think for yourself. I have a brain to think for myself. God wants our lives 
Oh, please don't hear money today. Generosity is such a way of life. It's so much more than a wallet or a pocketbook. Or if you're going to get that raise or not, listen, it's a way of life. I wonder how many people will go up to Laura and say, Laura, you've been needing help. I'm going to help you in KK. You know what? I, I, I'm going to take some load off of this church. This is a mobile church. We're having to set up, break down every day. Next week is going to be so much easier because I'm coming early. You know what I'm saying? Like, listen, now some of you may be called to the 1040 window. You may be called to lock arms with Bo and go reach a, a people that you can't even speak their language and maybe God's calling you to do that. But I can guarantee most of you in here, you're called to put on your cleats, get your feet deep down in the soil right here in Vidalia and win some people for Jesus, right? You are here to connect people to a growing relationship and that's most of you right here. So you can start being generous right now right now right now all of us need to be a generous people the gospel creates generous people are you on mission to seek and to save the lost let's all stand together and just kind of in the quietness of our seat as we move into a time of invitation the band's about to worship just as you stand up I just would like for you to do this right where you are just take a deep breath and with that breath that God just gave you I want you to thank him (laughs) Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. As you stand, just take another one. Take another breath. And thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for looking up in my tree. Thank you, Lord, for coming by my way. God, thank you, Lord, for passing by me. Oh, Jesus, thank you for moving through the crowd slowly enough, being patient enough, being long-suffering enough. I told you no for so many years. I ran from you for so many years. Whatever your story is, just slow down. Take that breath and say, thank you, Jesus, for finding me. With that same breath, Christians, saved people, those who call on the name of Christ, that same breath, say, Lord, help me to be generous. My community needs me. That classmate needs me. That person on my team needs me. I look around and I don't see many more Christians on my team. Well, there you go. You got a job. If you're here today and you say, Patrick, you spoke to me earlier. Uh, You said you would at the beginning of the message. You prayed that you would. I heard you. And that was me. I'm not saved. Is that you in here today? You've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. You've never came to a point where you laid down your life and you repented and you said, I'm sorry. The same message that Jesus preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is is at hand. That's more true today. Every day that passes, we're closer and closer to eternity. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Say, Patrick, would you pray for me? I don't know him as my Savior. Just right there in the quietness of your seat. So I would love for you to pray. Amen. Anybody would lift their hand and say, I need Jesus. We have people on the wall, prayer team members. I'll jump over this orchestra stand just to pray with you. Ain't nothing more important on this stage than praying with somebody that needs Jesus. We all had to get there. <laughs> I told you I was 14 years old, didn't have a lick of sense, and God saved me. He can save you. Anybody would just raise their hand and say, I need salvation. I need Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much for this time. Oh, Lord, I love your word, and I'm thankful that you could use a a story like Zacchaeus to challenge us and remind us that the gospel truly changes everything. Everything. 
but you're a perfect gentleman, Jesus. You're not going to kick the door in. You're just going to knock. And you're knocking today. May Connection Church Vidalia, may Connection Church Richmond Hill, uh, may the, all the churches in this area, may you sweep through this town in revival power. May you change those who claim the name of Jesus. May we remove ourselves from being part of the crowd. And may, may we become the Zacchaeuses who invite people into our homes and allow the message to be preached. And may we turn Georgia upside down for the glory of God and for the glory of your name, Jesus. Help us to do that, and we thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen.